Welcome to the Unhooked Podcast, hosted by author, writer, and recovery advocate, Annie Highwater. This is a podcast of real conversations and true stories from those who have been impacted by and overcome personal adversities, including your host. The goal of the Unhooked Podcast is to take a deep and hopeful look into the experiences related to addiction, alcoholism, grief, mental and emotional health, family dysfunction, codependency, conflict, and other types of personal struggle. The good, the bad, the dramatic, the real areas of life that all of us face. You will hear wisdom from people who fought to persevere through pain, circumstances, and are doing the work to recover. You can contact Annie by emailing annieunhooked at gmail.com. And now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm very excited this week to have a conversation with someone I have the utmost respect for. I met Kathleen Cochran in person at the Heart of the Warrior Woman Retreat in December. I just spoke with Allison, who was on, I believe, last week or recently, and they are partners. So I um, had originally wanted to get Kathleen on as well, and due to scheduling, I was able to obtain a conversation with both of them. So that said, I want to introduce her in a fitting manner. Kathleen Cochran has remained by her daughter's side through her battle with substance use disorder. Their 16-year path has included over 20 rehabs, IOPs, sober living, a therapeutic boarding school, and a partridge in a pear tree. I mean, I think we can all absolutely relate to that. After being labeled an enabler and codependent, then directed to allow her daughter to hit rock bottom, Kathleen became determined to find a more compassionate approach. She researched and read, devouring hundreds of books on a wide range of approaches and tools. Kathleen aligns with the practice of harm reduction to keep our children alive until they can find their way to recovery and craft method, which you're all familiar with from Allies and Recovery and Beyond, which is a more effective approach to communicating and encouraging sobriety. Kathleen is passionate about helping other mothers. She shares her experience and knowledge to lessen the angst of the journey, which is so important because it is full of pain and angst. Kathleen and her partner, Allison, together are creating a community where true sisterhood can flourish, where women can find the knowledge, the strength, joy, and compassion that is needed, that is necessary to endure the journey of loving their children through addiction at a retreat, which I just personally attended, as I said, called Part of a Warrior Woman. And with that said, thank you so much for coming on. Welcome. I cannot wait to introduce you to our listeners. Well, thanks, Annie. It's great to talk to you. And uh, thank you again for um, your presence at our retreat. Um, I know there was a huge line waiting to talk with you and have you autograph your book. And, uh, you know, you just really, um, you just really resonated with our, with our mothers. And uh, in fact, we just got um, some of our feedback from, uh, from our survey and you, you were a, you were a top winner. So Wow. I, I just want to take the opportunity. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I loved all of them. And I, as, as I said, when Allison was on, when I came out, it was on the heels of profound loss in my family. We just lost my son's father who had become like a brother to me. Very, um, very close, very tight knit family. And two weeks later, we buried my niece. So I was just surging with pain and grief. And I don't believe I could have been, present in public anywhere other than that retreat, which was such a, not only a beautiful atmosphere, 
but the presence of love and feeling was so heartfelt, so um, so it was just so powerfully existent in, in the natural realm that I left there with more healing and confidence than I imagined I would. So I'm very thankful, and I want to. I hope it just spreads and gets huge and large, and we want to introduce all of your work in that as well. Um, <laughs> well, you know that's. It's funny because you know it's uh, it's it's hard to decide on a balance. You know, I'm sure that Allison talked to you a little bit about. You know, uh, we we formed a, a not for profit organization, and you know, there's a bazillion of those out there, and we just really want to do two things. You know, we want to bring um, women mothers together. Uh, in a face-to-face um, environment, and we want to educate. So, you know, that's really our focus. We raise money to provide scholarships. In fact, there was eight women um, at the retreat that were on full scholarships to attend, and so that that feels really good um, because they probably would not have been able to attend otherwise, even though it was pretty inexpensive. Um, We try to keep the cost pretty low. And, you know, we had 45 women and, um, you know, that, that feels about right. Maybe we'll get up to 50, but, you know, somehow when you get too many, um, you know, I kind of worry about the, the conversations, the natural conversations that take place in a smaller group. Right. Um, so, you know, we've talked about, you know, obviously our aspirational goal is to take um, warrior women retreats on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we really do that, you know, and, and try to get to other parts of the country, we just want to get, we want to get the format down and the feeling down and, and the agenda down and the right mix of of speakers and self-care and fun. Right. And it's a perfect blend of that. That's one of, one of the things I said was I laughed so much every time I sat with Bethany. <laughs> well, and, you know, I mean, the thing for me, um, you know, being – you know, in this journey for so long, like so many, I'm not alone. Um, certainly some even longer than me, uh, is, you know, we, we all belong to, you know, a bazillion online support groups. In fact, I admin for three because, uh, I just want to be of service, you know, and I, I live in a small town, so, uh, I have to do things that I can do, um, you know, on my computer or on my phone. Uh, And that's all great um, and, you know, meaningful, but there's just nothing like, you know, that finally meeting someone. Like the first retreat we did, which is where I met Allison, um, I just sort of came up with this idea on my own only because I'm in the hotel business and I know how to put on events. And so I'm like, what if I just, you know, invite the women that I've known forever online and get them to come up? And, um, you know, so some of these women I have been talking to for 10 years online and I had never met. And it was just so, it was just so profound. And, you know, not only that, um, you know, because we have a, we have a secret group of people that have attended the conference. And so I just see, you know, that that was just the beginning. And now these moms are actually 
you know, meeting each other, going on trips together. I mean, suddenly now this circle of friends, which, as you know, you tend to lose when you're in the middle of this. Right. Suddenly this, you get this whole other circle of friends that you don't have to explain, um, you know, why you were up all night or, or why you have, uh, you know, a combination lock on your bedroom door, <laughs> you know. They're not even asking you, well, why would you do that? It's just so, you know, it's just so wonderful. And, and, and it's been great to see these these outside relationships now really flourish because of that face-to-face interaction. Oh, I, I, I get messages or texts back and forth with at least two or three of them every day, ever since I've gone. It's so, and it's just uplifting and beautiful, the network and the connection that's so real. And there's no wading through, are you trustworthy? How do we, um, what do we have in common? It's just kind of this real transparent kindness that exists as a bond between everyone. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, I don't, I guess I didn't really, you know, think that through, but that was really a, a great consequence of, of that. I just saw a picture of two of them. One lives in San Diego, one lives up north, and they were, you know, together at an event. I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, it's so, it's so great. And, you know, it's, it's been hard for me. I'm sure a lot of moms to, you know, in my circle of friends that have really fallen off. Um, and, you know, I don't, gosh, I don't blame them. You know, it's, uh, it gets probably pretty old (laughs) to hear the same story over and over again. And if you're not in it, you don't understand why you would even put up with it, you know? Uh, and so, you know, some friends that I've had for years, just kind of peel away. And so it's really It's been super wonderful to make kind of a new set of friends that I, that don't get tired of the same old story because my story is their story. Yeah. And your passion and your, you know, what's on your heart every night, we all just kind of get it and flow together. And there's, there's a, it's something really um, tribal almost to that. Yeah, and you know the other the other piece besides you know creating a sojourn for moms is I mean you know this too, Annie. You know just the misinformation mm-hmm. uh, that is just floating around today. You know, um, I just implored constantly, uh, and so you know that's what our Facebook group is really all about. Um, it's called Moms for All Pathways to Recovery. Right. Uh, and, you know, anyone uh, can join. So I would encourage people to do so. Uh, and it's it's not a support group. Uh, it is a information highway resource center. So, you know, you've been, you've been inside the group. Um, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, great tools from legal tools to, you know, um, vetting out rehab, you know, ethics in the treatment industry, you know, science data uh, driven. Um, and, you know, then the sort of daily um part of the Facebook group is really just, you know, news that is from reliable sources, which is another thing it's always hard to 
to find. You know, I get, you know, I sometimes I'll get, you know, I'll ask a mom online, you know, why do you think Suboxone is so horrible? You know, I'm just curious. Um, and they'll send me an article that was written by some rehab. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, okay, well, you know, this is an article written by a rehab center that, you know, what doesn't want your child on Suboxone. They, you know, they want them as a client. Right. So um, I just thinking back, you know, just in my journey, uh, you know, and, and how much I've learned since then, I just really wanted to give, you know, people real information. And, you know, I post stuff that I don't necessarily even agree with. But, you know, the 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 point is, is, you know, is just learning and looking at any and all pathways and not judging anyone for any pathway they take. I mean, you know, this is such an individual disorder. Oh, it is. You know, it, you know, it, it has to be treated individually. And, you know, gosh, I mean, I would want to have all that information available. And, you know, and I can just tell by the response in the group, you know, people, people will be like, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, that's, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, you know, if I, I wish I had me, you know, 10 years ago to talk to. Yeah, me too. Or even just the, the, the community of that. And, you know, one thing that I think all of us stress the most is there is no one size fits all. There isn't for one, any family. There isn't for any mom. There isn't for any person who's struggling in this. I, I had read recently about a man, I think he was 29 or 30 years old, that he found his path of recovery just out of a determination to go run ultra marathons, and that's what he threw himself into. And you know what? If that works for him and that's kept him sober for 10 years, that's his path. That doesn't maybe necessarily work for this person's daughter or somebody else that might need a little bit of assistance with Suboxone or whatever else, everyone is completely unique. It's like, I always say, it's like um, somebody with a peanut allergy. I work with a man who if anybody brought a peanut butter sandwich to lunch for work, he would go into shop. It couldn't even be in the same building. But I can eat peanuts and peanut butter all day long. It's a difference of chemistry. We're all that unique. Our pathways, like the entry points into addiction for every family is different. The pathway out of it is different. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the truth is, you know, there are more people living in recovery than there there are not. Right. I mean, you know, people recover all the time, silently, you you know, and so, um, you know, I just, I, you know, I'm, you know, if people ask my advice, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give them my experience, you know, if I've been in a similar situation, but I just, I would just never judge anyone for anything they tried right. or didn't try. You know, I have a hard time with with people that just think this is the way it is. And, you know, that kind of attitude, it can kill people. That's right. That's right. There's a lot of shame involved. Even, even, even medical professionals. Yeah. I mean, it's scary. Right. Um, you know, uh, you know, rehabs that... Um, you know, just, just, you know, can't get on board with, uh, you know, medication assisted treatment, uh, you know, uh, they, they could be killing people. <laughs> so I, you know, I see, th- I see things changing, but gee, it's not changing fast enough. I agree. And there was, um, 
about a year ago, we took in a dog for a girl who wasn't able to take her dog. She was needing to recover from an intense meth addiction. So we took her dog for her because she couldn't take the dog with her. Just before she had agreed to go into treatment, she had lost her fiance that she'd been with for 10 years, and then his mother died. So she was in profound grief, back-to-back grief, Mm -hmm. trying to detox and come off of substances, missing her dog, and the only thing she wanted to do was um, smoke. So, I mean, my goodness, if she's facing all of these other things, I didn't understand why that was a big deal, but they forced her to leave, and she had to call somebody to pick her up because she wouldn't part with her cigarettes. And I just remember being outraged because I'm thinking she's going to return to the street and she barely weighs anything and she's sick and you have this rule in place that perfectly good people break according to your standards every day and you have an opportunity to love her and take her in walk her out of her grief love her out of her addiction and you're pouncing on her for this so she left you know just disenchanted furious further traumatized feeling judged and I was really disappointed with that process she ended up somewhere else that was a lot more receiving of her. But I just, I mean, I just don't understand, I guess, putting clamps on certain things. And, and, and I'm not saying smoking is for everyone and that shouldn't be something people work toward quitting or that it's healthy. But this girl was in profound grief and transition, and I, I was just pretty furious with that process. Yeah, I mean, you know, like what, like, what what other you know medical condition do you get thrown out for the very reason why you're there? Right, right, right. You know, I mean, cigarette smoking is an addiction, but it happens to be a legal one. Uh, but you know, yeah, oh my daughter, she got you know, uh, same old you know everybody's story. She got thrown out of lots of rehabs for the dumbest things. Right. Yep. You know, just just little silly dumb things and you know, there there she is. She's got to stay out of the house for you know, 24 hours, 72 hours. She's 3000 miles away from me. <laughs> what is she supposed to do? I mean, you know, it's just it's just crazy. It, it makes no sense and, and And speaking of her, if you would want to give us kind of a brief summary of your story if you wouldn't mind for those who are not aware because I've met you online. Your work is I follow your work and I see you all the time giving information and being so compassionate as well as with this retreat. So if you could kind of give our listeners a rundown of how you came to be even involved with this, if you wouldn't mind. Well, you know, my story is my walk alongside of my daughter, who is my middle daughter. She's 28 years old now. Um, she started down the road uh, of addiction at about 14. Um, you know, she suffered um, childhood, pretty traumatic childhood trauma experience, um, and, which we didn't really understand at the time. Uh, and so, you know, I just, <laughs> I just thought, well, I'm just going to get this fixed. And I just put her in a therapeutic boarding school until she graduated, you know. Mm-hmm. And she did fine there. In fact, she's a great, you know, she's a model rehab student. <laughs> she does great until she gets out. But uh, she, you know, she she turned to, unfortunately, she turned to heroin. Uh, and she was a pretty, um, pretty serious IV user. Um, and, you know, we, we just started on our venture of our 20 uh, rehabs. And, you know, she disappeared once for three days in Mexico city and, you know, 
her boyfriend died in her bed beside her in my house. I mean, we've just had all the, all the horrible, uh, you know, not to mention, you know, here, here, this poor kid here, she's had such a difficult childhood and then all the traumatic experiences that have happened to her, uh, while she was active in her addiction. Yeah. And so we, you know, we finally settled on, um, um, uh, medication-assisted treatment. Uh, we tried Suboxone first. That just really wasn't strong enough for her. She really needed uh, a full um, agonist. And so uh, we put her on methadone. Uh, and she's been on methadone for about three years now. And uh, she has not done heroin. Uh, she's had lots of slips and slides. Um, you know, she's really fighting She's really fighting a beast. So, you know, she'll do good for six to eight months and then, you know, kind of goes off the rails. But, um, you know, the time gets further in between and the, the times that she falls off the wagon get shorter. Uh, she's able to get herself back on it. I mean, you know, what's very clear is that, you know, uh, there's really nothing I can do other than try to keep her alive. Uh, until she finally decides that she's had enough. Uh, and so, you know, I see that, that progress. Uh, and that's, you know, you mentioned earlier, but that's really how I've become so uh, passionate about harm reduction, which I was doing all along, even in just putting her in, you know, in, in rehabs. Of course, I got lucky. Um, I'm sure Allison told you a little bit about her uh, rehab experience, but, um, ours was, was, you know, not as bad. Uh, and the rehabs were actually, you know, pretty good. Um, but, uh, so I, you know, I just, uh, I'm, you know, we're not out of the weeds yet. Uh, and so, you know, I try to, uh, stay in my lane and, you know, throw myself into, you know, my daughter has, you know, if you want to call it a disease, my daughter has a disease. Uh, <clears throat> I like any other parent whose child has a, a life threatening disease is going to learn everything I can about it. Right. Um, and you know, I'm, I gotta say, Annie, I, I'm just, you know, even though I wouldn't wish this on anyone, um, I'm just a better person. You know, this whole thing and my walk with my daughter has has really made me look at every aspect of my life. Um, and uh, I feel that I've just grown so much. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. Uh, but I'm I feel grateful uh, that that she that she's allowed me to walk alongside her um, and you know, she's my hero. I mean, you got a son like that too. I mean, when you, when you are so close to it and you see the beast, uh, you know, I, I don't know a lot of people that can, you know, that have the tenacity. Well, we do because people recover, but it's not easy. It is not. And it's not easy to be adjacent to it. It, um, it oftentimes will make you the enemy or you will see your child um, suffering and in fear or out of their mind or um, 
manipulating and the best parts of their personality is twisted and used and they're sick and frail sometimes. And it is, I told my son during a really bad spell of it once that no disrespect to anybody that deals with this, but because it had been so terrifying, I said, there are days that I wish we were dealing with cancer versus this addiction that is unpredictable and evil. Well, yeah, because if he had cancer, he'd be like, thanks, mom, and appreciative, and, you know. I know where I mean, was. Yeah, when you're dealing with addiction, the symptoms are horrific. Right. And, but, you know, they're all the same. You know, all the symptoms of addiction of our children, they're all the same. Right. And so, you know, it's just like trying to deal with those. And, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking because, you know, I, I mean, I have friends that, you know, have are raising their children's grandchildren and they can't have their child in their house with them. And, you know, I mean, right. It's just no one size fits all. And, you know, uh, that's why I just think, gosh, if I could just stay, you know, if I can just stay in 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 my heart and and with love that's going to get me through and you know what it has right yeah that's right we had um i do attend regular um meetings with family members just because i think it's so important especially locally to connect and it just gives I, i like to give back some from what i've learned and we have one of the um fathers in our room who's lost his 21 year old son last year and it was just overwhelming grief but one of the things he had said was, you know, when you go through this with your child, nothing is left unsaid. And that is true. We have hashed out everything, everything that we can blame and rage about, but then everything that needed to apologize for as well. So when his son passed, he knew they had come to a place that was nothing but pure love and their priorities were straight and they really only looked at the things that mattered. They weren't petty with each other. And he said that is one thing that in you know, I know it happens differently for everyone, but he had really come to a place where I'm going to live in this perpetual place of active, relentless love. And that has given him so much peace that he knows his son knew it. Isn't that great? I mean, I feel the same way. You know, I still have a child that, you know, goes off the rails. So, you know, she's, every time she does that, she endangers herself. And, you know, I'm not stupid, you know. She may, she, she could accidentally kill herself. You know, there's, it's the, the drugs nowadays are not the same drugs. There's, you know, poison in the drug supply. It's not a clean drug supply. You don't know what you're, you know, you think you know what you're taking. You don't know. She could just make a critical mistake and, you know, that would be it. And that's, you know, that's, that's what happens when you have someone that has a, you know, life-threatening you know, potentially terminal disease. Uh, And so, you know, I feel the same way, Annie. I feel like, you know, I mean, I've just, I've just been able to be in a place of love with her always. Um, And she knows she's loved. And if I lost her, you know, I mean, it would, well, nothing can be worse than losing your child, I don't think. Um, I lost her boyfriend, who was my, like, a godson. That was pretty bad. But, uh, you know, at least I'll, like like you said, at least uh, she will know she was loved. And I will know that I loved her um, with everything that I had. Right. 
Right, and that removes, I mean, because they're, of course, grief, but it removes the torment and regret when you love them so much. And it's as cliche as it is, you don't go to bed angry every night. Every conversation I end with my son, since any of this has happened, even more than when he was a child, ends with, I love you. Do you know you matter? Do you know that you belong to us? We are loyal. We support you. Be safe. Be proud of yourself. I mean, those things are just drained into him. He is filled up with love in every conversation, no matter what the call was over, because we know the importance of it. Well, I think it's really hard for parents when their children are in active addiction and they're slewing out, you know, the most horrible, horribleness, manipulating, stealing, lying, all the stuff that they do. And, and, you know, there's this incredible, you know, uh, anger that comes, you know, it's angry at, I didn't raise my kid this way. How can you talk to me this, you know, it's all pushes all of our buttons. Um, but that anger is really just fear. You know, that, that's what's showing up. And so, you know, and it's all the same. It's like, you know, your kid isn't the only kid that steals when they're on drugs. They all do. And so, you know, that's a symptom. And so, you know, uh, you know, for me being able to isolate that, not that that it's okay. Right. Right. But I'm able to understand it. You know, I'm able to to intellectually understand. Oh, this is you know, this is this is how my daughter shows up when my daughter is not using drugs. You know, it's she's amazing. Yeah. You know, I think, oh my God, she's going to be the president of the United States. She's articulate and lovely and charming and 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 gracious and polite and you know. And then when she's using drugs, she's anything but that. Right. So you know, there's not, you know, I think it's just trying, you know, as a parent, you just try to control that. And then you get so mad and insulted um, instead of, you know, and you're, you know, an advocate and a teacher of craft, you know, instead of just seeing, you know, that this is what's going on and, and just leaving the situation, right? Because you can't make sense out of nonsense and you can't talk to someone who's intoxicated, no, it's never going to go a, right. You wouldn't walk into a bar at last call and argue with the person who drank the most whiskey or try to talk sense into them <laughs> and explain your side. That's a good analogy. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I try to, you know, at least for, you know, when people do ask for my help, um, you know, I try to get them to see it, to see it like that and use, you know, use those communication tools, um, you know, craft and, and I also like bomb and, you know, some of these ways in which, because, you know, really it's like you have to learn how to speak a different language. That's really true. You know, you're talking to somebody from a foreign country. I think that like we get this all or nothing opinion that if we show kindness or compassion or maybe take a breath in the middle of an argument or a texting war, we're telling them they're right or we're just, you know, winking at the situation. And that's not it at all. It's the more space and peace you give to it, the more logic can kind of come in. And, it, you know, if you're going to be a part of the chaos and all of that, you're not solving the problem if you're trying to force your point, even if you're right, and you have weapons going. That's what I think Kraft, and I know Bomb does that as well, is to set the weapons down, put some breath on it, take some space. Somebody take 90 seconds even, walk away from it until cooler heads can prevail. And there's power in that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can, you know, you know, now, 
there's, you know, when Molly, you know, is, you know, does, uh, you know, slip, uh, you know, I, I can see the signs, right? You know, I don't, I don't drug test her. I don't do that anymore. That's just a total waste of, that was a horrible thing. And I just, you know, t- didn't work. Um, but I, I know, cause I, you know, I can tell. And so now I'm able you know, to say, you know, you, you know, I, I noticed that you were up all night and I could hear you in the kitchen banging around and redoing dishes and making stuff and up and down and up and down. And this is really kind of the behavior that you do when you're using. Uh, and I love you and I'm worried. Right. And that's all I can, all I have to say. And she can say to me, yeah, mom, you know, and then it comes tumbling out, you know, then come the tears and, but it's just the way that I frame it to her. You know, it's like not accusatory. I'm not yelling at her. I'm making an observation and I'm helping get the elephant out of the room. You know, uh, I'm not going to sit on it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, say something, but I can say it in a way that allows her the safe space to be with me to tell me the truth. And, you know, that would have never happened before, you know, until I, until I learned some of these communication tools. That's right. And we had this conversation over the last week with my son about how truth and accountability can exist without shame and harshness. You can speak at truth and accountability and still have a space around it of love and support and encouragement. And, that's what our relationship has completely been renovated over the past 10 years. Not only because his addiction caused everyone to stand up, take notice and fix everything that was wrong all around it, but because we have better tools. So having these conversations where we're eye to eye, I'm not coming at you as a mother who's going to punish you or paddle you or anything ridiculous like that. I'm not coming at you in judgment or harsh if we're going to speak and call out any kind of truth or accountability, it's going to be blended with the fact that you matter. I want you to be confident in that and be encouraged that you matter and we stand beside you supporting you. You just got sick again or you're struggling with this or that again, but you are loved. Even though this is true, it doesn't make anything wonderful about you not true. That's so great. You're such a good mom. It was a long road to get to that, though, because, I mean, I, like anyone in the beginning, and especially if you don't, you know, know how to handle it, nobody should be great at handling it, especially if you don't know how to handle it. I knew from a few TV shows, in the very beginning, we locked horns, and it was shrieking matches and begging and pleading and crying and slamming phones, and none of that made anything better. None of that got through. Right. Right. And same with, you know, same with, you know, the way that I can approach Molly now, you know, before I would be, you know, accusing uh, and, you know, she, I'm sure, you know, has suffers from a lot of shame every time she has a slip, you know, or relapses. And, you know, uh, I've taken that kind of the, the, you know, she doesn't have to hide it, you know, like, it seems to me that we get to what's going on much sooner now rather than, you know, in, in this, this dance of, of her trying to hide it and in denial and arguments and, you know, right now she can just, you know, come right out and say, yeah, 
and I need help to get to, you know, pick myself back up again. And I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. And you know, something else that's a shame does, I believe it metastasizes the addiction. If they feel like they're going to be judged or shamed or, you know, turned on, they feel it already. One of the things that's peculiar about somebody in addiction is it's it, it, a disorder that tell, that causes their brain to tell them they can handle it and they don't have a disorder. It will also have them at battle with people that love them and are loyal to them and want them healthy and well. And it will have them loyal and devoted and defending people that are using with them or feeding them drugs in some nefarious way or whatever. So when you drop the shame, it starts to rebuild that trust. So they're maybe going to feel more safe turning towards someone who is healthy, loving, and has their best interests for, you know, versus shrinking back from you in fear of that punishment atmosphere and running to the people that they feel accepted by that probably aren't good for them. Yep. That's so true. It's so true, you know, and, you know, I, I, I know sometimes, I know sometimes parents probably think like, why do I have to do all this work? You know, um, and there's, there's probably a lot of resentment around that. Like, why do I have to do all this stuff? Why do I have to learn how to speak differently? Right. Um, but, you know, well, why? Because it, first of all, it works yeah. and you're going to help your kid uh, a lot quicker, in my opinion. That's right. So, yeah. um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, um, I know that you're a big advocate of harm reduction. Harm reduction doesn't really have any one-size-fits-all description either, does it? It's kind of, give me a, can you give us a couple of examples of what harm reduction would mean? Well, you know, the one thing that people don't understand about harm reduction is harm reduction includes abstinence from from drugs. So, you know, right. when, I mean, it, it goes the entire spectrum. Uh, but basically, um, you know, at its core, it is, it is um, keeping people safe. So, you know, in, in our, in our lives, um, you know, outside of the drug world, you know, seatbelts are a form of harm reduction. Yeah. Right. right? Uh, so there's lots of stuff, you know, harm reduction has been around forever, you know, and it's also something very, uh, that comes very natural for mothers to do. Um, and so in the, in the drug and alcohol world, um, you know, harm reduction uh, is education, educating drug users, drug users, you know, people, people often uh, make the mistake of thinking, that people that use drugs are stupid, and actually they're not. <laughs> um, and so educating them about, you know, mixing drugs, educating them about testing their drugs, because now fentanyl and carfentanyl uh, are being put in all kinds of drugs, even, you know, meth- methamphetamines, Xanax. And so yeah, people fentanyl. are think they're taking one thing, Right. And they're they're not opioid tolerant, and boom, they go to sleep, they never wake up, just like that. Right. Yep. So you know, educating. I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff going on even in high schools now uh, as it relates to this. Um, so testing their drugs, um, 
you know, making sure that, uh, that they're using clean needles. You know, so many people I hear, you know, just think that, you know, harm reduction is um, enable drug use uh, when, <laughs> when that couldn't be further from the truth because the truth is, is people are going to do drugs no matter what you say. <laughs> you can't stop it. You're not going to stop that person, but boy, you could arm them with stuff. You know, I, I would say that I would say with, with probably most certainty that, you know, people that that die from overdose from drug poisoning didn't intend to do so. No, they didn't. My niece was walking up the stairs to her bedroom laughing. And two hours later, she had taken a Xanax that had fentanyl in it. Two hours later, oh. her heart stopped. She had a heart attack and she was gone. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just awful, but that's, you know, that's the thing. And, you know, I tell my daughter, look, you know, if you're going to continue to do drugs here, you know, I'm going to train you on how to, you know, I'll get out a fentanyl testing strip and I'll show her how to test drugs. Uh, and um, I'll talk to her about, you know, uh, safe injecting and, you know, when she was in active use, I told her where all the needle exchanges were. Um, you know, she, I, I'm not going to stop her, but I can arm her and educate her uh, and and keep her alive until she finally decides that she doesn't want to do drugs anymore. Yeah. That's, that's what harm reduction is. You lighten the fall a little bit in the midst of letting them know that they're loved and valued and that's there is nothing wrong with that there is nobody who has a child doing drugs whether they're for or against harm reduction that doesn't hate that their child is gripped by addiction there isn't anybody so it, it makes well you know annie i uh they have one another. i can you know th this this you know may may or may not be shocking to you um but you know, when uh, my daughter walked out of her last rehab, she was in Salt Lake City, and, you know, she called me and said, um, you know, I just can't do this anymore. I'm, you know, just destined to be uh, a drug addict, her words, um, and I'm just going to go. I know, you know, this park where there's a lot of, you know, people in my situation and I'm just going to go live there, mom. I just want to go be with my people. And I mean, you know, just as sane as she could be. And I just knew that, you know, that's where she was, you know, that she just couldn't stop. She could not stop doing drugs. And so I... You know, had my sons go, they flew in and they stayed in the park with her till her dad got there and she wouldn't come to the hotel room. And so my husband's like, what do I do? And I'm like, buy her drugs, buy her drugs and tell her that she can do her drugs if she comes to the hotel with you. And he's like, what? And I'm like, and then go, go first, go buy some Narcan. And he's like, I'm supposed to watch her do drugs. And I said, well, you don't have to watch her, but make her go in the bathroom and leave the door unlocked and, and arm you and the boys, be there with Narcan and keep checking on her. And that's what he did. 
And then we did it again in order to get her to come back home. So is that, I don't know. I mean, I, (laughs) I know it's kind of crazy, but you know, I'd do it again. I mean, I couldn't get her to come and I couldn't get her to stop. And so at least I could keep her. It's like you're trying to figure out how to ransom your child from kidnapping. I remember telling my son, I want to handcuff you to the stair railing. Like, I want to sit on you and keep you from going anywhere. I mean, you just... Oh, well, you know, we talked before that. We talked about kidnapping her. (laughs) But that is, you know, against the law. That's true. (laughs) And so, you know... Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're like, we actually went through the scenarios. We'll get her in the car. The boys will keep her down. You know what? But then, you know, I knew she would be going through withdrawal and she would be in horrible pain. And so I just settled with, you know, with buy her drugs, keep her safe. Let's get her home until we can get her, you know, um, and that's when we decided to put her on methadone. And she still, you know, it takes a while to stabilize on methadone. So, you know, not that we would tolerate. I mean, I don't want to have someone using drugs in my house. I mean, that's not who I am. Right. Uh, but, um, but, but this worked for us. And she finally stabled, stabilized on her methadone and gave up heroin. Good, yeah. And let me ask, um, do any of you, I know you do all kinds of research. You have more knowledge than anyone I know. Um, you work your own process of recovery as far as therapy and meetings and health conscious and things like that. Because I think that is so important for our side of the house. Um, are you asking what do I do? Yeah, as a family or individual, either one. Oh, well, I mean, we're a very close family. Uh, we've been through We've been through lots of family therapy. Uh, sometimes it takes one child to lift a whole family. That would be my daughter and my family. So we're, we're all very close. Um, you know, I personally, um, I personally do not go to meetings. I've gone to meetings, but I don't, you know, I think I got out what I, what I needed to get out of meetings. So for me personally in my sanity, I am uh, a major um, meditator. Mm-hmm. Meditation has saved my life. Mm-hmm. I can say totally. Uh, and so that's what I do to still my mind, to train my mind into not being crazy town. Right. Um, and and that is just really. You know, I can I can meditate, at, you know, in my chair at work if I need to. Right. Yeah. Um, so my practice is is very strong and um, and powerful. And then, you know, just just reading. I mean, you know, I I'm a prolific reader, so I'm I read, you know, things for fun, but I also read things for growth and development. Right. Uh, and that's, that's what I do, but you know, there's no one path as we know. Right. And you know, I know plenty of people that couldn't function without going to a 
Al-Anon meeting. You know, they just couldn't, they couldn't make it another day. And I think so. I'm thankful that those tools are, are available. Um, I also, I also really get a lot out of, and a lot of um, addicts get a lot out of helping other people. And so, you know, I, I do um, parent coaching, um, you know, for the uh, Center on Addiction, uh, and then, you know, just running my little Facebook group and working with Allison uh, in, you know, really developing our retreat program. So that those are all the things I use to keep myself standing up straight. Yeah, you also work in one of the most beautiful settings I've ever seen in my entire life at that Alice Ranch. So I would imagine that <laughs> healing therapeutic, even to be around the animals there is so healing. Yeah, yeah. I've been in the hotel business all my life, mostly managing luxury hotels. And so it's, you know, now I'm kind of on the, you know, I'm on the exit plan. And so I wanted to work at a smaller place. And, you know, now my problems are like, you know, I'll get a call from from work and people will say, you know, oh, Mrs. Cochran, we have a cow out. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you mean a cow out? Like, is that like a brown out? No, a cow. I'm like, you mean a moo cow? <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's been, you know, I've never managed a ranch before. So uh, it's been kind of fun learning, uh, learning all, all about that. But you're right. It is very therapeutic to, particularly to be around horses. Um, so I, you know, that does help too. And then, um, and that's where the heart of the warrior woman was. I just was wondering how you, um, how you guys came up with the name for that. Um, I I think that actually um, uh, Allison came up with that name. Um, you know, we I had when I did the first retreat, I called it Warrior Women, which is you know is something people say uh, online quite a bit in support groups. Yeah. You know, you're a warrior. I'm a warrior, and so I I think that that Allison, uh, you know, was astutely sort of picked that up uh, and, you know, turned it into, you know, heart of a warrior woman. Um, You know, she's a, she's a beautiful writer and, you know, really good at stuff like that. So I think it, I think it, it's, it's right on, you know, it really speaks to, to who we are. Oh, it's not for the faint of heart to go through this journey with us. No. <laughs> it's not for the not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it is not. Okay. Yeah, I know. I sometimes I you know see people sometimes I see people posting online that, you know, they're just like a year into it and I'm like, well fasten your seatbelt. That's right. <laughs> and even so, I mean you get a lot stronger and I've addressed a lot of things in my own life, my own personality, it's made a lot of things better and softer and more compassionate and more mindful and aware. It's also made me a lot, I'm, I'm a lot stronger as far as grit and character. And I believe in stoicism. It's a philosophy I read about all the time and I love it. It's about facing things with temperance and taking adversity by the horns and knowing it's going to better you. And I'm not talking about grief and loss because that's a whole other planet. I don't mean you know, to find good in the loss of a child, even though you have to somehow find life again. 
I mean, when you take a situation like this where you are battling, 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 and you figure out how to look within and begin to do inner work and, and kind of let yourself develop strength in the midst of it, there's something I think really beautiful about that. It's completely transformed my life. Yep, I could not agree with you more. And then so, I'm 100% with you. Yeah, and I've seen that do that for so many people. And, it's, and like I have better friendships now and relationships. I don't sweat the small stuff. I don't care about stupid stuff. I don't want to hear about, you know, like, I just don't get into the stupid stuff I used to. It's kind of, you don't have time. You care about what matters. Right. Um, That's right. And you guys are having another one, I believe, in the fall. Is that right? Yeah, we're we're looking for to we're looking to do a little mini uh mini retreat in the spring. Um but just really more um more relaxation self-care and then uh we set dates in September. Um I believe September the weekend of the 17th. Uh which will be our full 3-day um retreat with you know with with educational uh points uh self-care points and a whole lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) we i'm sure uh, hopefully allison gave you our um website um we'll be posting our dates there and then our facebook group uh moms for all pathways to recovery will also uh keep uh, members updated on on upcoming events. Yeah, and all that I'll post out on my page and to my family groups. And then there was something I was obsessed with that I kept seeing when we were out there, and it is that your whole family has the same tattoo, and I've seen it hashtagged. I see it on Twitter as well, and I love it so much. If you could just kind of go into that for a second. Yeah, well, you know, um, it it just, it, it was a, it was a way for my daughter and I to uh, communicate, uh, sometimes only via Facebook or via text. And it, we always ended all of our um, conversations with hashtag, I love you, keep going. And, um, and so um, we just sort of spread that out among the family uh, and you know, tattoos are kind of a thing now with kids. My kids are getting tattoos and we were all sitting around talking about it. And we said, why don't we all just get the same hashtag? I love you. Keep going tattoo in the same place. So we did <laughs> all five of us. <laughs> I love that. It's really cool. It is. And it shows like, like the solidarity and that's, is something I, the theme that I've seen from you, not only with other mothers, but with your family and with the hearts of the moms that I've met on these pages and in that, on that retreat is the solidarity that I stand with you, whether you are, you know, your, your kid has got some momentum and is doing well, or they're having a slip. We stand beside you and love you either way. And, and I just I love the passion and the connectivity of that so much. Well, yeah. And you, you actually, thank you for, joining us for our final night dinner. We called it a family dinner, um, and it was um, uh, my family, Allison's daughter, um, putting on the event. My husband cooked all the food. He's, you know, retired executive chef. And the most so he, dining room I've ever he's doing. In my entire life. 
it was good, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then my son, my oldest son, who's a you know musician and often he flew in to entertain the moms, and then you know, I mean, my 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 other son was a server, and you know, so I I you know they. It's not just a, you know, a mark on our, on our wrist. It's, you know, it's actual action of showing up uh, and standing, you know, they very quickly could come and stand with me. And I know it was, I know it was their, just their honor to take care of other mothers because, you know, they know having, you know, a mother that, uh, <laughs> They've seen, you know, in the fetal position on the bathroom floor, um, you know, they know, they know what it's like. So it was just a, you know, it was really, really heartwarming. Right. Yeah, I love it. And his band's name is Cowboy Diplomacy. So everyone check it out. They're amazing. They were, it was like being on a, it was such a beautiful setting, but it was like just the best range experience. And that was a beautiful part of it. I love some of the moms got up and played music and sang with them as well. And that was amazing. I know that was cool. <laughs> so um, we really like to end on hope. Your passion and your work gives a lot of information and hope to families, to moms. Um, are there any thoughts you might share with someone who might presently be suffering, like you said, maybe brand new, a year in, adjacent to a family member's struggle with addiction? Uh, well, I mean, you know, don't, don't. I would say, you know, don't isolate. Yeah. Like that's about the worst thing you can do. And so, you know, reach out and, um, you know, find a tribe, um, you know, find a great support group, uh, follow people like you who are so inspirational, uh, read, uh, probably the best book I've ever read is beyond addiction. Um, and, uh, you know, I was like, why could have read that 10 years ago, uh, read and you just know that you're not alone and, uh, people recover and, you know, don't like never lose hope ever. Right. Right. I love it so much. And I will post everything on our pages and I can't thank you enough. I will continue to follow you and learn from you and hopefully see you again soon. Um, and I don't know if there's anything else, but I wish you well. I'm so thankful you came on, and thanks so much. Is it, oh, is there any way that anybody can reach out to you other than your pages, or if they want to email you, is that okay? Yeah. Yes, uh, you, um, people can reach me at uh, Kathleen, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N dot H, as in Henry, dot Cochran, C-O-C-H-R-A-N, at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. Well, everyone, please check her workout, check her son's band out, follow the pages, um, check out the retreat. I know Allison's got a book coming out about it. I will post and promote all of that. And other than that, for anyone that has a family member, a loved one, a son or daughter, an active addiction, I stand in solidarity with Kathleen and her mission. And I say as well, I love you people. Hey Annie. Yeah. I love I love you. Keep going. <laughs> love you. Keep going. Bye bye everyone. You have been listening to the Unhooked podcast. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode by the guests belong solely to the guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the host or any affiliated organization or institution. 
Annie's books, Unhooked and Unbroken, can be found in Amazon, Cokesbury, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold. You can find her work by searching Annie Highwater on Facebook. If you have enjoyed the Unhooked podcast, please share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. We hope you'll keep coming back to listen to the Unhooked podcast. Thank you.